You are listening to the Living Truth Podcast with John Corr and C.L. Mitchell. Please stay tuned to Living Truth as we engage in an in-depth journey of discovery through the discussion of God's Word for the purpose of devotion and godly living. We pray that you would be blessed through today's conversation and that God would sanctify your heart in truth, for His Word is truth. Merry Christmas. This is John Corr and the Reverend C.L. Mitchell coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. This is the Living Truth Podcast. And in case you are new to us, welcome. Uh, We are two friends that love to get together to talk about the Bible and God and theology and life and Jesus. And we have a lot of fun doing it. And we usually have our Bibles open and we have our coffee or tea or hot chocolate. And we envision that you as a listener are are sort of eavesdropping on our conversation And so um, today we're going to talk about Christmas. We're going to talk about the birth of Jesus. Uh, In the past, we've usually uh, we've gone through books of the Bible and you can check those out on our website at passionforhisword.com. But today is uh, December 15th, 2021. Can you believe that? It's like years just flew by. And so Christmas is next week. And wow. And hello, you know, have you gone shopping yet? Have you have you decorated and Christmas I mean, stuff? Not altogether, right? You're still doing something. It feels as though when you're enjoying things, time yeah. flies. When you're not enjoying things, <laughs> yeah. time crawls. I know. Walks very slowly. I know. Tends to linger for a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, this year has gone by fast, has and and. Uh, and so, yeah, we're at near at the end, and we figured we'd do a Christmas recording. And uh, as we've done the last several years, uh, we're, Lord willing, we'll be recording more consistently. Maybe, perhaps, once a month would be great to have some consistency uh, under our belt. And um, some people are really busy, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we won't overcommit to uh, to the schedule of 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 the Reverend Bishop over there. Anyway, we have a lot of fun. Um, CL, we're, here we are. We're going to talk about Jesus' birth. And it's Christmas. we got the Christmas decorations here. And I don't know about you, but it's, it's my favorite time of the year because this, just what Christmas represents, you know, is joyful. It's joyous. It's, it's, it's redeeming. It's, it's good, you know. And, and I love the songs. I love the hymns. And I love the celebration of Christmas. Yeah, I love the gifts, too. But at the, at the whole heart of it is... It's about Jesus, and so uh, it's my favorite time of the year, and I look forward to it. And uh, and so we're going to talk about the birth of our of our Savior, and um, you know something about God the Son coming to this earth. I mean, just just wow. You know what? What can we say? You know, I mean, we want to. We've talked about Christmas in the past. We've taken different angles, and you know, and I think today we have some something unique we want to share or at least discuss and that's um the humility of god in him coming to this earth so let's let's get into that yeah let, let me just say you, you said something that struck me john and that is um as we've done many years in the past what a privilege yeah i was just thinking over that what what a profound honor it Thank is you for that it's a it's a true joy and and then let me say secondarily i, I want to be very careful in approaching um, these texts, yeah, uh, because um, I, I think sometimes with preachers today and believers, we presume that people have heard it all, right? Yeah, um, 
and this is the eternal word of God. Yeah. Um, the depths of it cannot be calmed by one person. Right. Nor a collection of persons. Right. Over time, um, from the first man all the way to now, were we to put together all of our knowledge of this book, yeah. we would still come up vastly short. Yeah. Um, and so I would suggest uh, to those who are struggling, saying, well, isn't that just the same old story? Yeah. No, there's great depth and profundity to it. Yeah. Look further. Yeah. Dig deeper. Uh, and, and its treasures will be uh, will be given to you in, in proper measure by the grace of the Lord. There, there's... There's something about the wonderment of talking about about the gospel and talking about Christ and 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 him coming becoming a man, right? The yes. incarnation and the complexities and the mystery of all that, and and yet the wonder of it and the and the and, uh, and the good news of it all. That you know, I think we'll look into it for all of eternity because here you have the eternal God taking on flesh. And the, the motivation behind it, and the and the the just the profound grace that is, because you know, at the end of the day, you and I and the rest of humankind were, were sinners before God. Yes. That God would would even give us a second thought, and to even not just give us a second thought, but but do something where He initiates the whole process of reconciliation. You know, makes you just. I, I to, me, to me, he's worthy of worship just for just for what he did. You know, he is um, our savior and our lord. And so, yeah, if you've, you know, when you when you are a, a dying man or a dying person, and there's somebody that rescues you, there's you, there's that forever gratefulness mm-hmm. that you owe to that person. You know that that the profound change that person has done for you. You know, the trajectory of your life is is completely different because of. Of this person rescuing you, and that, and we hear of that in our Savior Jesus, you know, and so, um, but something about just the humility of God to do what He did, and and just I, when I said humility of God, just made me pause and think, well, I don't always associate humility with God. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it seems to be odd, right? It's it's not a contradiction that something is A and non-A in the same way, at the same time, in right. the same place. That right. would be a contradiction. This is a paradox. Right. Um, it is that which can appear at first glance as a contradiction, but when unpacked and right. seen for what it is contextually, then it will be seen to be um, quite phenomenal, right. astounding. We, and we, maybe we have to define our terms because we think of, maybe the, the, when you think of humility, Maybe what goes through your mind isn't. Maybe it's weak, you know, somebody who's weak or you know, un, unconfident or you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Humility, and have that be in the same sentence with God, right? And, and the thing that makes that difficult is so. Let's start in a different arena, sure. if we may, um, John. When we think of God, and when Scripture speaks of God, we have this language of the divine transcendency. Transcendency is not a term, a theological term that refers to measurability or spatiality. Um, we're not talking about. Wait, hold on. Where's my dictionary? Yep. <laughs> Transcendency, spatiality. Is there a spelling test afterwards, too? <laughs> 
we're not talking I know what you're about, talking about God being 39,000 feet. Right. We're not talking about God being 70,000 feet. Right. When we speak of this language, we are referring to the um, altogether otherness of right. God. We're referring to the supremacy of God, the uniqueness of God, the right. alien nature of God, the utopian nature of God, as it were, right? right? And so what we are arguing for is God in his perfections. Right. And in his perfections, um, all that he is, that is so much superior to anything that we are. Right. Now, to introduce into that conversation, then, the lowering of God. Right. Um, the the bending of God. Right. The bowing of God. Yeah. Uh, is is it seems odd to the to the to the verbal palate, as it were? You think about this, so so you know the scene in Isaiah six. You know mm-hmm. Isaiah. You know he he gets a vision of of heaven, and there's the angels. You know worshiping God. He sees the you know the, the God on the throne, and they're and the angels are crying, "Holy, holy, holy!" You know, yes. and and the, the the temple fills with His glory, and there's this majestic vision of God. Worthy of worship, God, you know, God, and at the same time, I think it's John who talks about that that vision that 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 Isaiah saw was actually Jesus, and now you have Jesus coming humbly, and so you have this like, wait, how does that work? You know, have God's on the throne, but yet God's humbled and become a man. That's yes. the the paradox i guess or the yeah isaiah is actually seen um um this depiction yeah a real vision uh, let me let me let me just for our listeners who either may or may not be familiar with it can i just read the isaiah sixteen one or isaiah 6, 6 rather it says in the year of king uzziah's death i saw the lord sitting on a throne lofty and exalted with the train of his of his robe filling the temple, and seraphim, uh, seraphim, which are angels, uh, stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. So this angel is sort of covering himself just to make sure he's not detracting, maybe from the glory of God. But he's calling out to another seraphim, and they're calling they're calling out to each other, saying, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory." And then he talks about how the foundations uh, trembled, and and, and he said, "What was me for him?" So, so Isaiah sees this this God sitting on a throne, high and lofty and exalted. But then you come to the New Testament, and you have the humility of God. Yeah, I, I I don't know that the angel is trying to cover himself because he doesn't want to detract from him. I think what we see is he's very cognizant. They are very cognizant of their creatureliness. Well, that's okay. That's yeah. kind of um, and 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 I think the, as, to, as if to make a distinction between creature versus creator. Absolutely. Creator, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and even though they are in the express um, presence of God, yeah, um, they have to hide from the direct effulgence of God, yeah, because they cannot be thoroughly exposed, right, to God. Um, that's just how supreme He is. And, yeah. and the language that you use there in the text that you see, rather, they're employed in the text has imagery in it. Right. It has contextual, cultural, sociological 
uh, language in there, right? It it has the depiction of a sovereign, right? Um, first of all, it has a lot of intertextuality. How the Bible is using the Bible, yeah. What Moses was told to place on the top of this box, as it were, the, the ch- yeah, yeah, with with the cherubim, right? Yeah, the I the, saw Lord, I saw that the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Right. <laughs> what, what you're seeing there on that chest yeah. is the real life scene, as it were, right. um, in the presence of Yahweh. Yeah. Um, moreover, you see this depiction of sovereignty, m- the monarch, right? right? Um, this language, the train of the robe, etc. Um, the, 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 the suggesting the train of the robe oft was a depiction of the, the length of rain, right. um, the supremacy of the rain in, right. in, um, um, comparison to other sovereigns and things of that nature, right. Right. Um, who they had conquered, et cetera. Um, um, having, having attendants that, that were servants, uh, to them, um, um, attendants who could not look upon them, right. things of that. All, right, right. all of this is is very interesting. And so, what you're doing, John, is you're looking at this and you're saying, so we're given this lofty picture in Isaiah, yeah, of of the supremacy of God, of the grandiosity of God, right, and then the incarnation. And now, what I'm proposing is this: the Blessed Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has humility. Right. And this humility is not just something that is specific to role um, that we see in the coming of the Son, but there is an eternal display of this amongst the members right. of the Trinity. Yeah, there's, I mean, within the Trinity, you have sort of one honoring the other, one giving deference to the other in a, in a respectful and a, you know, um, you know, Jesus obviously speaks the words of the Father, does the works of the Father. He, he does what he sees the Father do, you know, and, and, the, and the Father, of course, honors the Son and say, this is my Son, and I'm well pleased. And then right. they both honor the, you know, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is, you know, points to Jesus, and there's this, right. yeah, and that's, um, that's the example of humility right there. But what makes that more shocking for me is, and forgive some of the technical language, the ontological equality. Right. So ontos, right? The participial form of the Greek word a me, to be. Right. So we're talking about now the being or the nature. The nature of God, of, right. Of God, right? The, the substance so of God. since yeah, the, the doctrine of the Trinity is there is one God eternally existing in three distinct persons, the right. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who are co-equal in power, right. and who are are co-equal in majesty, right. right, and in worship, right, right. So, if you have that, then doesn't it make it extraordinary that that there is this kind of mutual appreciation right. of each members, right? That each of the members, the Father loves the Son, right. uh, the Son loves the Father, right. the Holy Spirit loves the Father, Son, the Holy, the, the Father, Son loves the Holy Spirit. But what you see is this eternal begottenness, right? Begottenness. Now we mustn't err into a a heresy that was called Arianism, right? Right from Arius. Yeah, that, they're, today they're called Jehovah Witnesses. True, <laughs> pretty but, much. But you know what? Also, Mormonism has a form, form of that, yeah. right? And and so there's this ideology historically where um, um, Arius uh, propagated the idea that the Father was eternal, right? 
unconditionally eternal, right? right. But the Son was created by the Father. You look at Colossians 1. Right. Sometime in eternity past. Right. Now, this is false doctrine, but, but his argument was that the Son submits because the Son may be a great creature. But he's inferior. But he's inferior. Right, no. Well, this could hardly be true. Right. Um, um, because John 1 um, argues for his eternal presence. So let me, let me read John, John 1 for our so listeners we, and, our, and our viewers. In case we don't turn and look at the camera, we are aware that the camera's there, but we're, 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 we're so used to talking to one another. John 1, in the beginning was the word. John, of course, starts off just like Genesis in the beginning right. to sort of clue you in. An allusion to an Genesis allusion 1. To, mm-hmm. uh, in, the being, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, that is through the word. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then later it talks about how the word uh, became flesh and dwelt among us, right? So the word was with God, and the word was God. And of course, the word becomes flesh. The word is Jesus, basically. And so there is equality, Absolutely. Sameness uh, ontologically and equality um, role or ranking, you know, at the same time, there isn't a, a, there, a there depreciation is, there, of. There is equality in ontology. Yeah. There is inequality in, in role. Right. Because the members of the Trinity have, have, have uh, determined, yeah. as it were, that there is an essential alignment that is critical for the accomplishment, the overall accomplishment sure. of the sovereign or divine mission, right? right? So, so just for a moment to, to revisit that, because we're reading that in the English text, and, and, and it says that, but it says, it's, it says far more right. in its original in language, Greek, right? In yeah. Koine Greek, and it's far more robust. Um, in arche ein halagas, right? This term, ein, is the, um, is the imperfect form uh, of the it, uh, of the verb a me to be, and in its imperfect nature, it seeks to oh, give you kind s- of slow down. Hold on, English. <laughs> so it's a past tense that right. is circular in nature, right? And so the, the the ideology is that it continues to go on, right? What what the author is trying to speak to is the eternality of the logos, right? The word, right? Right. But then the author goes on to argue that the logos was pros. Now pay attention to prepositions yes. in scripture, pros, p r o s, right? Because prepositions in scripture not only show the position of one thing to another, but they are deeply theological. Logical. Hold on. So your seventh and eighth grade English teacher that talk you, taught you about prepositions, <laughs> pay attention because they are significant of e- eternal consequence. Yes. They're pro, the father and the son, pros. They're yes. facing one another. Now, now this word pros, right? The term for, for um, face uh, in Greek, prosopon, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but but uh, when you look at this, it's toward right. in the direction of. Um, um, so that it would argue for a fellowship, right. an intimate fellowship, as right. it were, and an interaction. Right. But again, this critical verb, watch your verbs, because that's where your action is in the right. text, right? And it certainly is going to argue for the position of, um, um, uh, of one to the other, uh, the preposition, um, um, uh, with, right. or pros, but it's going to argue, um, the, the verb is going to tell us that the, the uh, time, 
right. period, which is outside of time because it's going to say he was always in fellowship. So you get the you get the the vision of the father and the son, yes, facing one another for yes. all eternity in fellowship, in yes. fellowship, right, in a good way. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And so what the text is seeking to argue is Arius was absolutely wrong. Right. No, he was right. Yeah. Um, the Jehovah Witnesses are absolutely wrong. Um, well, well uh, and they we you know, they get it from the from the misunderstanding of 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 well first uh, Colossians uh, one fifteen to twenty, the hymn that's there and also John three sixteen that God's um God God's one and only son, his his unique son, they Yeah, monogamy or the or he was the firstborn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so or only, only begotten. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, but here you have this back to you have this eternal sort of position and relationship between God the Father and God the Son, which means that we're still talking about the humility of God, right? That didn't just start with the birth of Jesus. No. From eternity past. From eternity past, there's humility there. Because, because the Son delighted himself, and the person of the Holy Spirit delighted himself, to positionally, as a role, align themselves or position themselves in role under, so as to submit, not be lesser than, right. in being or in nature, but to submit enroll to the will or direction of the Father for the accomplishment of the divine purpose. Right. Now that's a powerful thing. So let's, okay, so let's give, let's give clarity because when we think of humility, there in, in, in those terms or in that scenario, humility is, is always done or it ought, it's, it's, it's the, with the intent of carrying out the Father's will, would you say? Humility is aligning oneself positionally yeah. for the sake of accomplishing the overall mission. Right. By the way, now, so that we can more easily grasp this, right? Marriage. Yeah. The woman is ontologically equal to the man. Right. But she is economically. And all the sisters said, amen. <laughs> let me introduce this term economically, because yeah. we're not talking about financial, right? right. Um, uh, oikos, namas, right. right? That's the concept. Right. So oikos can be translated house or family. Right. And namas is law. So for the sake of house law or family law, right. she has a position of a lower place that aligns herself under for the sake of accomplishing the overall mission right. militarily within the within the family. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what we see. She's not a lesser person. No. She's not a lesser being. She is equal in her stately humanity. Right. She's equal in the imago dei in the image of God. But there is an inequality or a or or a submission as it will right. as you will um uh, if you will that that she takes on this role uh, by the way this role is a high and holy role right. in so much as Christ and the holy spirit gives great honor and right. reverence to this from eternity right so let's think about if we're talking about the humility of god in christmas then the humility of god um you know, from all eternity, but then you have this, this obviously this, uh, 
not an ont- ontological change in the sense of, of Jesus not being God anymore, but then, of course, taking on human flesh to become man. He's mm-hmm. still God, but there's this humility in, 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 God, in God the Son carrying out the will of the Father, right? For the per- for, to fulfill the glory and the purposes of the Father for His glory, right? So you have Jesus coming, and now you have this, you know, from, okay, so from eternity standpoint, that's all I understood. But now from, from our standpoint as men, right? Yeah. You're not expecting to see God the Son come to this earth in that manner, the way, you know, and... Well- in, in the way he did, you know, or the yeah. expectation would have been a lot different. If we see vision of God the Son in Isaiah 6, we would have expected God the Son coming to earth with the same kind of da-da-da-da, you know, the glory position that we would envision him coming, right. but he doesn't. Well, may we start earlier than that just for a moment? Oh, we'll man. Directly we, to there. Yeah, let's just, get just for a moment. We're going to have a double, we're going to have to have like a two-hour <laughs> episode or something. Just, just for a moment. It is... It is humbling, and the Father is acting in great humility yeah. to give his son to his enemies. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to start there. Yeah. You might no, this... give your son to friends. Yeah. But to give your son to your enemies when you could absolutely obliterate them at war right. is an act of humility. So it's not just the son coming, it's the father giving. It's the father giving, yeah. That's an act of humility. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And knowing what they would do to him, that's, and knowing why it would be necessary that they do it to him. Right. It's an act of humility that's on behalf of the father. And of great love and humility. It's almost like you, have, you can't, if you have love, you have to have humility. Yes. You know, so you have, so God the Father giving His Son to His enemies while we we're still yet sinners. Christ died for us, right? With God giving His Son to to a sinful world, where, where a lot of the sinful world would would reject that, yes. and and the fact end up crucifying Him. Um, that is, yeah, great, tremendous humility of, and also the, describes, of course, the greatness of God's love for us. But okay, so let's let's. Let's think about this. We're going on to the humility of God and the humility of Jesus as well. Because I think about, yes. you know, you know, the humility. Of, if you think about Jesus and whether if you're a Christian or not, you know, one thing even people outside of the church, outside of Christianity, recognize that Jesus was very humble. They recognize that Jesus was a very unique person, very, you know, good, moral person. But they also recognize the humility of Jesus. And so that's why even, you know, even those who aren't maybe part of the church can recognize, okay, they might have a problem with Christians, but Jesus, <laughs> it's hard to throw a stone at, at, at Jesus. And it's hard to find, it's hard to find, if you, can't, if you can't find fault in him. You can't, Pilate himself says, I find no fault with this man, right. you know? Right. Um, and so let's press into that a little bit. And because there's, I mean, there's just a lot, even everything about the birth narratives, everything about the background, about the, the circumstances of his birth and his his life, it just humility, humility is just broadcast all over the place. So let's let's start in an interesting place. Jim. Yeah, let's start in the womb. Um, Ephesians four. I'll just read a small facet of this passage. Sure. 
verse 9. Now this expression, he ascended. Hmm. What does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? Now, some would like to take that phraseology and make that hell. But within the framework of the context, it's not referring to hell. No. This shocking descent into the lower parts of the earth, this phrase is an idiomatic phrase that refers to the human womb. Yeah. God, who is spirit, right? Non-measurable, so immeasurable. Non-spatial. He is simple, having no parts. Yeah. Altogether whole. He's immortal, invisible, the only wise God, whose very nature is Ehiya from the root Haya, to be or to exist, so that he is himself Chaim, he is life. Life, yeah. Good Hebrew there. <laughs> Thank you. So he is the living one. And it's not the distance that he comes, because all things are before God. Right. It's the difference that he comes. Right. Not the distance, but the difference. Right. Immortality took on mortality. Yeah. That which is invulnerable put on vulnerability. Right. And housed himself by means of the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. In a young teenage mother's womb, at the earliest stage of conception, at the size of a sperm, in there is the eternal God who is the cosmic glue of creation. Yeah. In there is the eternal God by whom all things exist for whom all things exist, to whom all things will be, before whom we have to do. And he agrees and willingly comes, not distance, but to difference. Right. Just the womb is an act of humility. I I think about, I mean, the fact that he came in that way and and even the fact that, and I know we're going to go with more in depth with some of the background stuff, but I'm thinking about that he would live in obscurity for the first 30 years or so of his life. Yeah. Like where even his own family, brothers and sisters, what they saw was just another man. This is my brother, Jesus. Yeah. He's, he's God of very God, but yet the humility of that just to, to sort of, not hold back, but sort of just wait until the proper timing of when the father had him go into the ministry and and then begin to tell people about the you know repent the uh, the kingdom of God is at hand and 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 initiate that you know in in in, in a sense of of just sort of staying in the background. It's just it just anyway. It, it's it's so it's it's so strange if you think about Psalm one thirty nine. He allowed a body to be knit for him. Hmm. 
my inward parts. Right. Right. Says the Psalter. God was connected to a placenta. He received nourishment from an umbilical cord. Yeah. He was subject to the development of the brain. Right. The feet, the hands. God um, was subject to that period where a child turns and his head down. Right. A God who is non-spatial was in a little space. Right. Steadily progressing and growing. Went through the pressure of the birth canal. Had to be cleaned. Had to be wrapped in cloths, a common thing. Yeah. That's humble. He had to be fed and changed. Changed. <laughs> it's just changed. Yeah. The, the God who is sustaining the very heartbeat of Mary is at the same time eating from her breast. Yes. He, he doesn't. He doesn't cease his divine functionality. Right. You yeah, he's, he's holding all the molecules in existence together, but yet he's dependent on her for... Uh, while he is eating and being held yeah. in the most vulnerable way. She's holding him while he's holding her, yeah. while he's holding all things together. You know, we need to just pause right there. That's something that, could, that man could never have come up with. I mean, think about it. All of us, um, we think of superheroes that we, you know, yours is Batman. <laughs> if you want to call him a superhero, I guess you can. Ouch, you ouch. Know. <laughs> but you think about it, we, all, we, we, we invest in these superheroes in great power. You know, they yeah. can fly, they can do all the fight, you know, they can run fast or whatever, you know? Yes. Who thinks of this is This is like, like, wait, this is... This is so foreign to way the way I think of greatness to us is, you know, look, you know, the power I have, you know, and the and the, the and humility. What? Yet one scholar has said, in all other religions, both in the ancient Near East and currently, men aspired to be gods. Yeah. Only within Christianity did God become a man. See, that's and that's where you think about the the utter. Um, how how so contrary to God's nature is pride. I mean, yes. pride is 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 so abhorrent and so it's antithetical to the nature of God. You know, that's you know Jesus talks about you know if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become the the lowest. You know, that's the yes. way up in God's is the greatest is the greatest is the servant. You know, and we in 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 the world today. In the world looks at the opposite. Oh, you know, step on people to climb the ladder and become great. Look at me. Look what I promise. You know, all this kind of stuff. You know, and in God's in God's economy, it's no greatness is in humility because when you're humble, you're more like Him. Yes. And that's just the sort of the the opposite. You know, you're like living in an opposite world. It's just so contrary to the natural way of thinking. But yet, greatness is in not seeking your own greatness. But but isn't that the nature of God? Listen to what he says in Isaiah. Contextually, 
the people are shocked because God should obliterate them. Right. And he says, actually, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Yeah. And my ways are higher than your ways. Yeah. As high as the heavens is above the earth, so are my ways above your ways. Now, now, what's the context? Since I'm so different than you, that's why I'm going to forgive you. Yeah. Because even in your sin, you would never forgive someone else if they had done to you. Right. What you had done to me and what you've done is treasonous. That says something about his nature. So, so we think about the humility of God. We think about even it starting at the womb, being a baby, being... Uh, nourished by Mary, being taken care of, held by Mary, and vulnerable. And I mean, vulnerable. Li- literally, God gives a dream to Yusuf, right? Joseph, yeah. And when He gives that dream to him, do you realize that Jesus is under His protection to get him out of harm's way? Right. He who will 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 be able right to 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 overwhelm. Powers, right, and, and whole kingdoms topple them. Is dependent on Joseph to protect them, to get them out of town. <laughs> uh, that's just right. I mean, and it doesn't. I mean, I'm just thinking. Um, I'm thinking of um, uh, not just how we came in. You know, right. being born. Okay, the the normal way of coming. You know, and of course, he's born to a. Uh, you know, we think she's a teenager, probably was a teenager, um, you know, not well off, you know, not based well on, off. based on when they offer up the, uh, they go to the temple to dedicate him. They, they bring a couple of doves, you know, and then that's to present the firstborn yeah, male of yeah, the womb yeah. to Yahweh. Right. So they're not well off at all. They can't afford the lamb. They have well, to either g- that or they're d- grossly dishonest, which no. God would not have honored. No. Right. Because they bring, they bring, uh, um, uh, birds or a couple pigeons or doves or whatever. And you if know, you go would, back to the Torah, yeah. this was the offering for those who were um, impoverished. Very poor, yeah. Yeah, and not only that, John, the where. Yeah. Geographically. Micah 5, 2. Yeah. Bethlehem Ephrata. Um, too small. Yeah, get to clarif- clarify which... <laughs> Beth- <laughs> oh, that one. Oh, that's not on my Google map. But let me tell you... Let me read, let me read it to you. Um I'll get my glasses on. Micah 5, 2. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrata, too little to be among the clans of Judah. I mean, you're in Judah, but you're really, really small in Judah. From you, one will go forth for, for me to be ruler in Israel. His going forths are from long ago, from the days of eternity. So, so, so it would be the equivalent of this. Picking a small podunk city. Yeah. And putting the sovereign of sovereigns there. That's just... And that was not incidental. No. That's not accidental. God is supernaturally, sovereignly, supremely, providentially shaping the whole circumstance so that the the king, Herod, yeah. who is going to issue a decree, is yeah. going to do so under his decree to insist that the baby is born in Davidic fashion. Yeah in the birthplace of David right. to argue for his messianic role, right? Right. right. But he, 
picks that place. Yeah. He could have picked a lot of other places. And by the way, there's a strong contrast because here is the Idumean king, Herod, Herod yeah. who's a fake Right, he's a he's not the real king of the Jews. <laughs> right. He's not even Jewish. He's he's Edomite. So great great builder in this palatial area. Crazy man, he right? Was. The, the Herod just after him. Oh, nuts! Purely nuts. But he's in the the palatial um, um, arena while the king of kings, yeah, is in Bethlehem. Yeah. See, when you're when you're humble, you don't have to go and. And broadcast it like you don't have to go and say here I am ta da da because I get the attention. You, you, you can just walk. Humility actually has confidence. Yes, because when you because here's here's the Son of God coming in in a humble way. He doesn't need to broadcast who he is and why he's there. But even that broadcasts something about your character. That's profound. That's what I'm saying. Is some see, sometimes. Again, it gets back to the nature of God. Like, God doesn't need to show... He, I mean, he can. He can show himself up, but he doesn't... It's almost like he doesn't feel the need to prove himself because he already knows he's God, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. probably falling short in, in my description, but you see that... No, 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 here's, I follow what you say. See, like, here's Herod, who, who's king of the Jews, Yeah, right? He's trying to... Here I am, I've got this power, I've got this position, and I'm... I'm somebody, you know, and and here's the real king of the Jews being born. Yeah. Not even a blip on the screen that says, other than, of course, you know, the appearance of the angels to the, to the shepherds in the field. But, you know, there isn't this, these lights and the streamers in the sky. There isn't any of that stuff, you know. And so you have Herod sleeping in his wonderful palace, wherever he's at, and here's Jesus. And and who's who's the real one, you but know? It's not only Herod sleeping in his palatial setting. Even the common people... We're sleeping in better setting, right? Jesus' parents come while there. The time comes for her to give birth. Yeah, and and don't indict the innkeeper. No, come on, give that to God. Listen, everybody, (laughs) the place is packed out. The Greek word suggests, insinuates that he had made a diligent search. Right. Give him that credit. This was by God's design, not to indict the innkeeper. Right. No. And 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 and, but had at, he know? But had he known? Oh <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, he would have said, "Uncle Joe, Uncle Bob, sorry, you're you're on the, you're out of on here, the, right? you're on the couch tonight. We get the Son of God here." But he didn't know. But anyway, so so here he is. He's not only not in an inn. If geography and topography is to be believed from those who are doing archaeological investigation. Yeah. He was in something more of a cave. Yeah. On a stone feeding trough. With with a father. With a mother. Where not too far, a few miles in the distance... The company was shepherds. Yeah, it's interesting. Just he just when you're describing his his coming in, his going out are the same. Yes, he's in a cave in his birth. And he's in a cave at his death. He's wrapped in cloths. He's in his wrapped. Birth. Yeah, he's wrapped in, wrapped in cloths 
his death. He's in a stone feeding trough at his birth. He's in a stone uh, um, lane uh, yeah. place at his death. This one is borrowed. This one is borrowed. Yeah. And here's another one is in his birth. He's with sinners. And at his death, he's with sinners. I'm, I'm thinking at his birth, whether it's the shepherds, yeah. whether it's the, 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 um, you know, the people, or even just his own background. You think about when he comes in, he, he, he doesn't come in, you know, the God could have done this. He could have created the son, you know, and not, you know, somewhere and then just transplanted him, you know, but yes. he had yes. him actually born into a family. Into a family, which is profound. In fact, this is so stunning yeah. to, to, again, um, some in the early church, um, that another heresy. Right. Earlier we mentioned Arianism. Arianism, yeah. But Docetism, yeah. actually, along with Ebionism, were actually two of the first heresies, right? There, and there a song, Ebony and... <laughs> Tacitism. No. <laughs> so good. Oh, I wish I had thought about that. That was good stuff. That's beautiful. I'll use that. I'll use that. Um, um, docetism, from the Greek word daketo, to, to appear. Means to appear. Yeah. That one of the heresies that John has to combat. Right. In, in the first century, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Right. right he has to combat this, this um, heresy because actually Jesus was. Because, you know, you have today the, the Jesus Seminar. He wasn't divine. Well, actually, that wasn't the problem that they had. They had a problem the with... century. Yeah. The Ebionisms, uh, the Ebionists said, well, you know, no, he was that prophet from uh, Deuteronomy 18.15, but he wasn't divine. But during that time also, it was, the Docetists were suggesting, no, he was so divine he couldn't be, that he wasn't really human. Right. He only appeared to be human. Because humanity or everything that is physical from Platonic thinking, right, right is evil. So actually, they tried to deny his humanity. So let me read First uh, John one: uh, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. And I. Th- I th- what, and he says, even verse three, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that you may have fellowship with. I think if, if I remember correctly, that what we have seen and touched with our hands, I think it's in the perfect tense where it it's like, it's like we still feel it. It's yeah, what we've seen. And it's almost as though the image is still is there locked in the eye. what we've heard. And it's almost as though the, the sound is resonating. It's almost as though what we've touched, I can still remember what he felt like. Right. And and by the way, this is even more profound for the author that's writing because as we have a record, he's the only disciple who ever lay his head on Jesus' right. chest, hearing he the heart. It's like I can still hear him, I can still feel him, I can still like like he's tangibly there. So yeah, you know, so Docetism, the yeah. the heresy about Jesus only appearing to be here, but no, John says he actually was here in the flesh. And in fact, says so strong, he says more than that. He says anyone who denies that is of the spirit of Antichrist. He makes that point in 1 John. So so he he comes, Jesus comes in humility, being born to this this, um, teenager in, in a humble, obscure place of Bethlehem. Um, in in very humble means, how he's born, where he's at, in a cave, and his first visitors. His first visitors are 
our shepherds, which were, they were, um, they were dirty, they smell, they're out in the fields, you know, and yet his first visitors aren't royalty in the sense of, hey, but they're common people. Very common. Now, there is a lot of fallacious thinking about the shepherds, right? Yeah. Because in um, the second and third century, there was rabbinic, rabbinic literature that right. um, spoke of shepherds as thieves and the scourges yeah. of society and things of that nature. And unfortunately, that has been imposed back onto a first century text. Right. Um, that's not the case in the first century. It may develop that way right. later on, but that's not the case. However... Because it was known that that they were not most clean, right? right. And because the sheep, I would smell if regularly. I were in the field too. Absolutely, yeah. And 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 if you were a good shepherd, you would, yeah, right. And most of the patriarchs were shepherds, yeah. Uh, in fact, every one of the patriarchs, Abraham, yeah, Isaac, Jacob, yeah, um, his twelve sons were shepherds. Even David was a shepherd. Yes. Um, so so um, by the way. Our God is a shepherd. That's right. The Lord is my shepherd. shepherd. Um, John 10, uh, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. Um, so it's nothing wrong with being a shepherd, right? right? But if, if you look in this particular uh, arena, what you see is the other shepherds, there were only a certain kind of shepherd, say as Josephus right. and Alfred Edersheim, At that, time. that were allowed in the city parameters. Yeah, they were raising the Passover sheep. For they? the temple sacrifice. Right. So even though his visitors were lowly, the sheep that they came to see that day, yeah, and the shepherd is the Lamb of God, yeah, and the shepherd and bishop of our souls, yeah. But look at but, his visitors. But, but think, but think about the visitors got a visit from the angels first, right? They, yeah. you know, if you read the Gospel of Luke, and they they appear to the to the shepherds, hey, you know. Christ, the, you know, you're, uh, and go to the city. Um, let me look at the text, you know, since we're, since we're in it. And Luke. Yes. And uh, in the same region, Luke 2, 8, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Mm. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And then the angels went, and the shepherds like, let's go to Bethlehem, check this out. And so the fact that, that God would send angels to appear to these shepherds as if to say, there's the humility right there because he's announcing this news of this birth of the Savior even to the lowly shepherds, you know, we, even to those who, it's like, so there isn't anyone who's, when, you, when God comes in, in humbly, there isn't anyone who is underneath who he'll come for, right? Yeah, John, this, this is very deliberate on Luke's. Part. Yeah. He's using this as a rhetorical device, right? Because in the First Testament, there are very few births that were preceded by announcements. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. And and so it made that birth right. stand out, right? right? So with that being said, this is put before us as the ultimate announcement <clears throat> of those announcements 
the ultimate birth of those births, the ultimate person being born. Right. Now, that's interesting. Right. So here, the angels are serving as divine kingly attendants. Right. Who would go out, let's say, so let's let's go to Britain for a moment. Sure. And announce... I like Britain. <laughs> I do as well. And, and announce... Um, there is a prince right. that is born yes. or a king that is born, right? Right. You would normally do that in a very official manner. Right. With regalia. Right. Right? Big to with, do. Yeah. To, to, to uh, pump in circumstances yeah, yeah. with everyone lined up, if not, in fact, having other congratulatory statements from other sovereigns. Right. Here, the attendance of the highest king come to a field. Yeah. The people who are just about the lowest on the rung right. in the kingdom of earth, and they give this extraordinary it's almost overkill. It is. And you think about you, th- you think about that the angels they don't go like, well you guys are, are shepherds, you're like you're yeah. little people and so yeah, there's there's this no, it's almost like as if they were speaking to somebody of significance. Absolutely. Oh, oh, because he says, because the angel says, Uangelitsamai, right? I, I, I right. give you good news. Good news, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm giving you a good message. By the way, c- concerning that, just just something to say as, as, a, as a side note. The text says that the angels appeared with them. Right. It doesn't give any insinuation that they were suspended in the sky. They disappeared. They just yeah. appeared. Um, secondarily... The glory of the Lord shone around about them. That's right. not the angelic glory. That's glory that is from exposure right. to the presence of God. Right. Thirdly, um, what Luke is doing, which is quite profound, really, right. years ago, from, from this text, from this text, about um, um, uh, 1,000 years ago, David was born. But before that, 500 years before that, you are looking at um, the Exodus. What's interesting in this area is the glory of the Lord appeared to another shepherd. Mm-hmm. Moses. <laughs> who was in a field, tending right. to his sheep. Yeah. And chose that shepherd as the deliverer. But the glory of the Lord appears to these shepherds. To show them a superior deliver to that of Moses. Yeah. He's the second Moses. But greater, far, far more superior. I, I, I'm just, I'm just so, I'm just contemplating on just everything we're, we're looking at is exuding the humility of God. Um, that he would appear to to these shepherds and that I'm, I'm thinking about the humility of Jesus. And now he's entered into the human race. He's born mm-hmm. to a family. He's part of a family. Now I love how, how Matthew um, talks about Jesus's family. You know, you go oh, into your, yes. you really cool. Look at a, like an old family album, you know, and who's uncle this and who's yeah. cousin. So-and-so yeah. and aunt so-and-so and grandpa so-and-so. And, um, and you look at, you know, there isn't a, a here's the my the humility of Jesus in such of the sense that he will come into a really really cool but yet messed up family 
I mean, full of, you know, there's, there's good, the good parts, you know, good people. And then there's some, like, there isn't this, well, let's make it a perfect picture image of what, like, let's, no, this is what Matthew does in Matthew one. He shows you who everyone is and doesn't hide. You know, like it wasn't like, oh, we don't talk about grandpa so-and-so, you know, we don't talk about uncle so-and-so here. It's, uh, he, he, it's Jesus. And I'm not going to read the genealogy. You can read it on your own, but, um, there are some very, uh, highly, uh, highly honorable characters here. Abraham, right? Jesus is, is the son of, of Abraham. He's also the son of David, you know, um, and Judah and Jacob and, but then you have some other characters in there that aren't so you know so that Jesus would would be, uh, would have the humility to to at his birth and in his family line associate and be mentioned with yes all kinds of um, but pick any name in here and, and and it's sinful except for Jesus pretty much <laughs> um, uh, secondarily this is a genealogy and a pedigree. Right. The terms are not synonymous, although they shouldn't be separ- uh, separated. Genealogy is where you come from. Right. Pedigree is the quality right. of so, where you come I from. I mean, you can, you can, I mean, okay, David, the record of genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, that pretty much encapsulates all the Old Testament anticipation of Jesus, right? Right. You know, Abraham, of course, in God's the redemptive promise, covenant. Redemptive covenant, you know. As a as a quality man, he has a faith, you know, that is is you know uh, that is rewarded, you know. But but Abraham wasn't perfect, you know. He lied about his wife a couple of times, you know. <laughs> I like the way you said a couple of times. A couple yeah. <laughs> a couple of times, you know. Yeah. Um, he he passes up, you know. He so he he you know he has a child out of his with his with his handmaid Hagar, and he gets, you know, David, you know, David, the the ultimate. You know the king, you know, and of course yeah. he reads, you know, Second Chronicles. Hey, let's have another David, and, and here let's here's the good things about David, you know, and but David, of course, he's a man who 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 committed adultery and murdered somebody, who committed adultery, premeditatedly murdered someone, he held it for about a year. Yeah, and, and so and and yeah. you can go on from the Judah. Okay, Judah is a well, Jacob. Let's back up with Jacob. You know, well Isaac. Isaac, well, Isaac, <laughs> Isaac um, uh, he's the picture of a dysfunctional father. Uh, seriously, true, I true. Mean, he's very biased, right? If he, if a son can cook food for him, hey, you know, he loves <laughs> Esau. Hunting. He's 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 he, yeah. he's parent favoritism right there. You know, he loved he loved uh, he loved Esau more than he loved Jacob. You know, and you know, and so Jacob's the mama, mama's boy, and so so this imperfect. In perfect love that transports now to Jacob because Jacob will have his favorite Joseph, and, you know, and 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 so Jacob, of course, who's a, who's a liar and and uh, you know his name actually means you know heel catcher, that supplanter, that trip you up so he can get ahead of you. Judah, you know, you read the book of Genesis. Judah at the beginning of the story, Judah is a he's a turkey. You know, he doesn't he doesn't honor the fact that his his sons his son is has died and he doesn't give the you know is um. Uh, his uh, his daughter in law, you know, the opportunity to, to to be married and to have kids, and so you know he's he ends up you know he ends up okay at the end of the story, you know you could just go on. I mean, I mean, Tamar, you have you know who's oh wait she's a she's a Gentile woman, 
What's she doing here, you know? Who posed as a... Who posed as a prostitute. prostitute. But, but it's amazing that that would be the first woman that he'd mentioned. First of all, you wouldn't mention women in a genealogy or pedigree, but it's also extraordinarily the women, extraordinary the women he didn't mention. Yeah. Why not throw Sarah in? Sarah's not there. We have, oh, so you have Tamar or Tamar, you have Rahab. Okay. So she, you know, she's there. Um, okay, you have Ruth. Okay, she's good. That's wonderful. But, but she's, she's a Moabite. She's a Moab of the seed of my father. Right. So, so, right. So, in other words, her her heritage is through Lot, through, through Lot, who who got drunk by uh, his his daughters after they escaped from Scott and Gomorrah, and they were, they were like thinking, "We're the last people on earth. Let's impregnate. They didn't really think Let's that. get impregnate. These, they They're messed shysty. up, right? Yeah. So." <laughs> So she's part of the, that tribe, you know, and then, um, of course, then you have uh, Solomon. And uh, I'm about to sneeze here. Oh, excuse me. Bless you. you have Solomon, who, of course, who who's very wise, but my goodness, he had a lot of women. Yeah, <laughs> that, he, he was and like he, a sophomore. He was, it's, a, it's he was a wise moron. fool. Wise right, fool. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so he, had, he was very wise, but then, he, of course, he was unwise because he... Uh, his hearts were turned away from God by allowing other, you know, whether it's married for political reasons, whatever, you know, and um, uh, Ray Obama, he was a terrible, you know, you just go on. I mean, I can, Absolutely. I can comment on every, uh, you have Manasseh down there. Yeah. Then um, you get to the Jeconiah curse. Jeconiah. Oh yeah. You have, uh, he was, his line was cursed. Um, how does, you know, and so you're not talking about, um, a pedigree of perfect people. No, you you would. This would be the family photo album that you would not. <laughs> this put is the out. one you store away and like. Right. <laughs> this is not on Facebook, you know. Right. This is, but be think about it, that. Jesus, in his humility, would come and be associated with these people. Yeah. That he would stand as he does on the shores of the Jordan River, standing in line with other sinners waiting to be baptized by John the Baptist, though he doesn't need to be baptized, yet he stands with us. That's humility. Wow. John, all the things that we've taken into consideration is they are marks of humility. But what really gets me is when he allows people to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, that, again, remember who we're talking about. So if I'm looking at this, I'm saying, what difference does this make for the believer? Yeah. To raise your question. Philippians 2 answers it, doesn't it? That's where I'm turning right now. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. John, what we're left with is not only a stately doctrine of the humility of God, but the practical peripatological doctrine, that is the practical sanctificational doctrine of what that looks like played out in the life of the believer. Yeah. If we're to be like our God, then we should be marked by humility. Now, I don't want to go to aestheticism, right? where we go to a monastery and we give up 
all goods of life and things of that nature. But Christmas yeah. should remind the believer the glory of Christ seen in the believer should be marked by our humility. Yeah. Let me read that. Please. Philippians 2. Paul says, I'll just start with verse 1. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look at out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Here it is, verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or... He did not use his to exploit to his it, own advantage. To exploit yeah, something to be to explored it to his own. But rather, he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men... And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow, of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." His his humility, it already was with him in heaven, but it didn't stop when he came to this earth as a baby, nor did it stop when he willingly submitted to becoming crucified. Like, he was still there. That's profound. It is. It, this this term, he emptied, kanao, right? Right. We refer to it as kenosis. kenosis. <clears throat> it is clarified by technical language, a contemporaneous participial construct. He didn't empty by what he took out. He's all God. Right. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's fully deity. Now, take that away from modalism, right? Which would suggest, yes, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's only playing three different roles. Right. No. In him is all deity. Right. He kept that. He left his stately, glorious place. Right. But he did not empty out his glory. Colossians says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. All of yes. deity dwells in bodily form. So he emptied himself not by what he took off, but by what he put on. Right. That's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Can can we can we put on compassion when we've been blessed? Can we put on forgiveness when we've been offended? Can we put on patience 
and wait for God's plan to be played out? Can we walk with the luster of the beautiful, godly humility with which our Savior came to this earth? Because the present of Christmas is one of humility. I'd like to see that under the tree this year. I'd like to see that in the streets. I'd like to see that Philippians is talking to fellow believers. I'd like to see that in how we deal with each other. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you're not great, but true greatness knows how to wrap itself. Yeah. And present itself in a lower place and wait on God to exalt it. There's an interesting concept, John. You want to be careful about trying to lift yourself up because God may have to take you down. Yeah. And if God has to take you down, nobody can go into God's hand and get you and exalt you. But if you lower yourself, God can lift you up. And like David, then no one can bring down that which God has exalted. I, I want God to lift me. Yeah. And and I want him to do that because I've lowered myself and I've made it my priority to lift him. Humility is great because it glorifies God. Because it's like God. It shows his character. That's, yeah. Humility glorifies God because it displays the glory of God. Yeah. Um. Would it be? Would it? Would it be? Would it? Wouldn't it be awesome if if we as Christians would present that as a gift to the world? It would be. This is why James says, "Celebrate in your lowest state for those who are poor." Mm. By the way, you can be very prideful and poor, but for those that are are going through difficult times this season. You're sharing a place that Jesus shared. You don't have a lot of money. Jesus was there. That's a humble place to be. Did you hear what I said? Jesus was there. You, you don't lack wonder and glory as a child of God just because you don't have a lot of money in your pocket or a lot of presents under the tree. Jesus was there. The ultimate present the ultimate rich one. Mm. And yet he made himself of no reputation and became poor for our sake. Um, you come this holiday and you're poor in health and your health humbles you. You come this holiday and there are not many people that are going to come to celebrate your life. Like not many came to celebrate his birth. Maybe you've raised children who are not going to come and, and say Merry Christmas or, or thank you. Or maybe you have parents that brought you into the world but are not caring for you. God is nearer to the humble and the lowly. He's nearer to the brokenhearted. You're in good company. But your state of humility as it is now, will all, not always be that way. Be of good cheer. 
because he who was ultimately humble has conquered the world. Amen. Death and sin. And his exaltation means that one day the children of God will be exalted not to deity but for the, to the full state and stature of that which he died and rose again to cause us to be. Merry Christmas. Merry humility. Merry Christmas, everyone. We pray that you have a blessed Christmas and a wonderful and happy new year. We will see everyone next year. Um, Take care. God bless. Thank you again for listening to Living Truth with John Core and C.L. Mitchell. If you would like to hear this podcast again or previous episodes, you may do so at passionforhisword.com. That's passionforhisword.com. You may also like us on Facebook at Living Truth Radio Broadcast. That's Living Truth Radio Broadcast. Again, our prayer for you is that God would sanctify you in truth, for His Word is truth.